Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is our opening music so serious when the show is so silly? It's very true, isn't it? Our, our opening music's very dramatic and very serious. I love it. People can only be disappointed from this point onwards. <laughs> My name is Adrian Lee and I'm your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you've just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting, for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather bought a book on Amazon this week called How to Have Absolutely Nothing to Do with Your Neighbours. Unfortunately, she was out when it was delivered. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hola! We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has a passion for the childhood game of Leapfrog, which saw her arrested on Tuesday during prayers at her local mosque. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. Finally on tonight's show. That conjures up a picture, doesn't it? Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg showed me a signed photograph this week with him and the band REM and said, that's me 
in the corner. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. Yeah, well. So that's tonight's panel. By the way, I looked up the word panel in the English Oxford Dictionary and it said a thick wooden board between two posts. 39 is a fabulous number. We are Series 2, Episode 39. There are 39 wooden boards in a bowling lane. Did anyone know that? And again, no. it seems very odd to have an odd number, but there are 39 wooden boards that make up a bowling lane. True enough. 39 <laughs> will get you to Italy. It is the international dialing code of Italy. I love Italy, but if Tarzan and Jane were Italian, Cheetah would be the least hairy of the three. Oh. <laughs> Just saying. I studied. I studied early. You like that one, right? I studied early Italian Renaissance art, and I've spent more time in Italy probably than any other country, and I do like Italy. Do you know who really killed JFK? Do you really know? Does anyone <laughs> no. know? It was 200 Italian sharpshooters. <laughs> in Afghanistan, the number 39 is considered unlucky. Probably because it gives you access to hearing Italians, no doubt. It goes something like this. It's very convoluted, and I'll try and keep it simple. Okay. There was allegedly a pimp. It's associated with prostitution, a number 39, because the pimp in Afghanistan, there must be one. He had a car with 39 on his license plate. He lived in apartment 39, and everyone called the pimp by the name 39. So 39 got associated with prostitution, but the name 39 is Mordegau which literally means dead cow. So there is a link there. I don't know what kind of prostitution goes on in Afghanistan, but the house special is apparently a dead cow. <laughs> well, at least it's not a bull, right? At least it's female. You hear what I'm saying? This is for beef lovers. Yeah, this is where we are. <laughs> I enjoy every week opening up our mailbag. I enjoy reading our Facebook posts, reading all the information, all the fan mail we get. Thousands and thousands of letters and messages across the course of the week. I just like to read a few out at the beginning of the show. CF said they love the show and always catch the replay on Saturday morning before work on Dark Matter Radio. But don't change a thing, guys, they say. Yay! I was thinking about sacking Greg, but on the back of that, we'll stick with the plan. <laughs> Connie said, Connie says your show is always entertaining. Oh, I see. <laughs> Greg's now muted my microphone. See how power corrupts absolutely. Connie said your show is always entertaining, despite the fact that uh, silent radio is never going to catch on. Michelle says she loves the show. Keep them coming. And Chris says the show rocks. And by the way, if people are interested, my latest book, How to Be a Christian Psychic, What the Bible Says About Mediums, Healers, and Paranormal Investigators is available on Amazon and all good bookshops, and it would make a fabulous stocking stuffer. If you're in need of a good laugh, you can now visit our YouTube channels. If you go to YouTube and type in more questions than answers with Adrian Lee, we have some outtakes for you there that are hilariously funny, and I would recommend you listen to those. We have a Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, and we have over 73 thousand followers on there if you wish to listen and access our archives as cf mentioned earlier there in the mailbag you can do that if you go to soundcloud.com and type in mqta radio and just to remind you that we have an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show after we go off air for the round we call not for your mother it's a round that we can't possibly read out live on air for fear of being taken off air or getting a large fine it's the stories from around the world the stories of the week that are laden with sexual innuendo so you can 
Listen to those on our archives at SoundCloud. And finally, if you go onto Facebook, all of tonight's stories will be there in glorious Technicolor. You can look at all the photographs and all of the videos. If you go to Facebook and join that, that is more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. We sprint into the first round, our K2 meter in one hand, our flashlight in the other. I have a story that says, is this a fabled Japanese ghost child? Caught on camera, Spectre believed to bring good luck is seen in the living room. This is the creepy moment a man claims to have filmed a ghost child floating through his home, which according to Japanese folklore brings with it good luck. Footage of the encounter was uploaded to Facebook by the homeowner in Japan and shows what appears to be a child moving around a light. It is first seen floating from the left before crouching down and disappearing. Moments later, it reappears on the right side of the light and appears to hover above it before vanishing completely. The video of the supposed haunted apparition was posted by a homeowner who claimed it was a Sashiki Warashi, a famed character from Japanese folklore. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> you did. I'll have that with uh, Chow Mein, if that's okay. It took me a week to learn that. While the appearance of such a spirit would spook most homeowners, he claimed to be thrilled to find it in his home. The Sashiki Warashi is, see, I did it twice, you is did. one of many supernatural characters that includes monsters and spirits that make up Japanese folklore folklore these are elementals aren't they basically but unlike the haunted ghosts of the western fables it is not a creature of terror taking the form of a child aged five or six it is believed to be a childlike in nature and enjoys playing pranks once it takes over a property the homeowners are said to receive great fortune would it be worthwhile faking a video to say you had one in your house if ultimately it's meant to bring good fortune do you see what i'm saying mm. would there be any benefit to that because several things spring to mind scott who's one of the members of the international paranormal society highlighted one or two things for me here if you wish to see this video it's available for you to see on our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee and you can play it and you can watch this particular clip he says why was the homeowner videoing a random uninteresting view of the lounge so that's the first thing it seems very odd that you would even be videoing that he says why does the cameraman not react or say anything if you suddenly are videoing your lounge and there's nothing in it and suddenly a spectral five-year-old girl suddenly appears and walks through would you not react in some way even if you shouted some expletives or the camera wobbled or you said something to not make Mm -hmm. any kind of comment or react in any way but to carry on filming and then when the character disappears the camera then goes to another part of the room and it reappears in the center of the camera like it was time like it was time mm. so again there are more questions than answers but if people wish to see that and make their own decisions on that that is available on our facebook site and i have started the show on a resplendently large japanese plus two didn't someone give you something once? I'm sorry. That, yes, that was at university, and I regret every minute of it. Yes, they gave me a brought small, you luck. Brought me luck. Oh, for Christmas. Yes. Yes. What's that character called? It's a cumin thong. A, a, a cumin thong. Not a thong. You didn't get a thong for Christmas. No, I didn't. It's like That's cheese on wire. The calendar. It completely messed up my feng shui. I couldn't sit right for a week. No, you got a cumin thong, and yes. what is, you can tell people what that is. The idea is that the spirit is cut short in life as a child. So the Buddhist priests take that spirit and they place it into the effigy 
with the idea being that the spirit can live a long and healthy life on this plane not have its spirit cut short as it like the physical life cut short and it's meant to bring good luck it's a good luck charm the buddhist priests actually do a spell and obviously it's in an eastern you know typeface it's not something i recognize or can read it's all hieroglyphs in many respects but uh, the idea is that they were supposed to do the spell by using the dirt from a graveyard so once you've unwrapped brian he is in a spell in a leaves in a piece of cloth and... yeah and there's leaves and dirt and bus tickets and strange things the, the things the detritus there's a good word it doesn't get used enough the detritus of the graveyard and again i want to emphasize the fact that this is a positive thing this is a good thing right and it's part of buddhist culture so uh, we're not embracing you the darkness brian. yes brian's a very nice little boy and he's well looked after <laughs> and i've given myself now three points so thank you for interjecting <laughs> that what have you got for me tonight in the round of brian i have a body of a cadiz woman missing for five years found lying on her bed just what well, didn't She's they check the gone. bedroom no. If someone dies or they've gone missing, isn't the first thing they should do is, like, check the bedroom? Apparently not, no. No. Didn't they so. not wonder where the strange smell was coming from? Apparently not, no. They had the drains <laughs> up. The gas board were around digging up the road three weeks later. For five years, nobody wondered where Pilar M. was. A nurse by trade, she went on sick leave in 2010 and was never heard from again. But not a single person made any inquiries. Oh, that's sad. It is sad. She Thank must you have for- had a lot of sickly built up that's what i was gonna say five years yeah her bank account was swollen (laughs) then on november hang on a second in some cultures you can actually marry dead girls can't you uh yes you can what if she's got a nice healthy bank balance now what i mean what does she look like is she a looker is she you know not good with the kids no no No? she's very quiet she's very quiet she she doesn't move a lot no she loves feeding the birds oh more like the rats (laughs) yeah then on november 30th of this year construction workers restoring the facade of the building in southern spain looked through a window that was slightly ajar and saw a dead body laying on the bed ew the police said pilar m took sick leave for psychological reasons in 2010 and never returned to her post the workers called in the fire service who accessed the apartment and confirmed that a deceased woman was inside. The body showed no signs of trauma, but due to its advanced state of decay, ew again, the cause of death will be determined by an autopsy. A team of specialists confirmed that the body belongs to Pilar M., who was born in Cadiz in 1961 and died at the age of 49. Pilar M. lived on the second floor of a residential building uh, she was the only tenant in the building apart from some office workers. She was good at her job then. If she was a nurse and she said she was feeling unwell, I mean, she's nowadays, is isn't she, is what I'm saying. Yeah, she was feeling really She was unwell. feeling very really unwell. unwell. Self-diagnosed. The only people who tried to contact her in that time were the utility companies yeah. in order to warn her that her bills were going unpaid. Eventually, though, her electricity and water were cut off. Oh, yes, but she doesn't sad. use them anymore, does she? That's the point. It's sad. It is sad. I can't believe someone wouldn't notice. Would your employees not try and work out where you are, for example? I have a story. I will give you a massive hefty one point. Oh, God. Chloe Kardashian gets spooked by a teenager. Chloe? That's what she's, yeah, Chloe. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I thought you said Cowie. Cowie? Who's Cowie? Cowie, keep going. Cowie Bunga. <laughs> Chloe Kardashian. How does Chloe sound like that? I don't know. It's Chloe Kardashian gets spooked by a teenager who can connect with the dead 
in the preview of the upcoming new episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I don't do that. In the short released this week, Chloe, or Cowie, known to her friends, <laughs> 31. <laughs> Cowie, 31, welcomes to her home Henry Tyler, 19, who is starring in his own reality series, Hollywood Teen Medium. Oh, wow. And he tells her that he senses there's something in her house. The teenager explains he is clairvoyant, who sees information and gets visual, rather than someone who hears the dead speaking. Well, clairvoyant does mean clear seeing, obviously. He senses the smell of a tie, and uh-huh. Chloe, Chloe immediately <laughs> connects it to her father, the late Robert Kardashian. What does a tie? a tie smell like? It's hardly distinctive, is it? Isn't it a little bit spicy and spicy. has some chilies in it or Depends something? Depends what you've dribbled down it, doesn't it? It's a my, little nutty. Yeah, my granddad would have had like gravy down his tie if that helped. And maybe some whiskey. I was thinking of Thai food. Oh, oh I see where we're that? going. Yeah. You got that? It's a sp- it's a spicy. <laughs> yes. It's a spicy? No, not Thai food. A necktie. Oh, okay. This is where we are. But what does a necktie smell like? Who's sniffing neckties? Anyone? What does a necktie smell like? Detergent. Detergent. You don't wash neckties. What's wrong with you? <laughs> she said. She said. She has kept some of his clothing, which hasn't, which she hasn't washed. It doesn't smell of detergent at all. She's not washed it, and sometimes takes it out and smells it. Oh. What? Do you often take it out and smell it, Greg? No. The blonde teenager has been given his own reality series on E, the network that airs Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Have you heard of a TV network called E? Quality. I went to a dyslexic acid house party once and took an F. (laughs) There was a guy in a corner injecting a heron. No cross-promoting there then. Chloe31 immediately connected what Tyler said to the fact she had kept some of the clothing that belonged to her father the late Robert Kardashian, and the items still smelt of him. Do people actually... A tie. Yes. Is it not a bit of a guess, though? Could a medium walk into someone's house, and we'll have a bit of a chat about this, and say, you've kept a piece of your deceased, there's someone's clothing in this house, I can sense that. Would you keep, is it common to keep, perhaps, a piece of clothing from a deceased loved one? Do you have any clothing in this house, Kim? From a deceased loved one. Greg. <laughs> Greg's... He has court. They are. Oh, yeah. And Nathan has no furniture at all, so I know he has anything. He doesn't have but nothing. the point is, if I was a medium and I was looking to play the odds and I walked into your house and said, I- I'm getting the sense that you're keeping someone's deceased clothing in your house. I mean, are we suggesting here that 99% of the time you're going to get an affirmative to that question? Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. And it just so happens that it's a tie on this occasion. You see where I'm going with this, can't mm-hmm. you? Because everyone around Too this big. room, yeah, has, has, has got, you know, someone's deceased clothing in their house of some description or another. I would be shocked if you came in and say, I can smell your grandmother's moo-moo. <laughs> yeah, I thought you was going to say I'd be shocked if you walked in wearing your grandmother's moo-moo. Mother wouldn't hurt a fly. Man's best friend is his mother. That's very odd. Robert Kardashian, who was O.J. Simpson's friend and attorney, so keeping good company uh-huh. then, and a good judge of character. Um, he died apparently of esophageal cancer in 2004. 
three. Chloe meets with Tyler along with her sisters Kim and Courtney. And Kim told him that Chloe always tells me she's psychic. I feel energies and spirits really well, Chloe said. I'm not saying, oh my God, there's a ghost in the corner. No, that'd be Greg. But I know (laughs) when I feel something and I pay that respect kim revealed that her younger sister was always telling her she's psychic and that chloe insisted she feels energies and spirits really well Mm. tyler confirmed he felt that chloe and also courtney had strong intuition but sem kim didn't the new episode airs on e on sunday at 9 p.m if you've lost the will to live and or you are bereft of visual stimulation and human contact <laughs> I should give myself points. You should take away points. I don't want to hear about the Kardashians, especially Cowie or whatever. Cowie. Just, just Cowie? use that app that prevents all of the Kardashians. Yeah, they have a new app out that that's the Kardashian blocker. It's awesome. Kardashian blocker. Yeah. Some sort, sort, sort of like, Star Trek device, it doesn't it? It sounds like some some type of, uh, what is that, sun blocker. Sun block. <laughs> factor blocker. 50. If you have factor 30, it only lets Chloe through. <laughs> I'll see where we are. Factor 10 lets Chloe and Kim through. Factor 50 now's everything. Nothing's getting Nothing. through. None of the Ks. Not even Cousin Cara's coming that. through that. You would. Well, there's your Christmas box sorted out. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and hauntings. I've got a young woman possessed by a demon who dies after a church exorcism is performed by her family. Wow. Exorcisms are meant to do good. They're meant to remove evil, not leave the person dead. It's outrageous. Mm -hmm. A young woman died after her parents allegedly performed an exorcism to get rid of the demon inside her. The 22-year-old, named as Jacqueline Sanchez by the media in Belize, Central America, died after she suffered a cardiorespiratory arrest. Local media also reported claims that her body had been lifted up in the air inside the church and she had spoken in a man's voice. They also suggested she had to be forcibly held down as they performed the religious ritual. Her parents allegedly believed she had been possessed by a demon after a number of unexplained illnesses in the months before her death. She had been suffering from convulsions and hysteria, which doctors at the hospital in Santa Cruz could not diagnose. Mental illness, probably, by some description, I would suggest. I'm going to get to the next sentence, and then you're going to like it. Yeah, you'll have comment. This led her parents to believe she had been taken over by spirits after reports that she had played with a Ouija board. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yep. She died after she failed to breathe after the apparent exorcism, which took place at the Pentecostal Church at San Ignacio de Velasco. The special force to fight crime Santa Cruz are investigating her death. The special force spokesman, Roger Guterres, said the forensic report realizes that this girl died of natural causes due to a cardiac arrest, and the bruises and lacerations to her body were due to a trance that she was suffering. It's very odd, isn't it? Heather, what have you got? I have something for my Christmas Oh, I thought you had a comment. You're crowbarring stories to get points. Oh, I'm sorry, Kim. I thought she had something relevant to say, so I shall give you you two points. (laughs) Heather, what have you got for me in the round of trying to get more points in Ghosts and Hauntings? I have a Christmas list item for me. A Christmas list item. Yes, the South Dakota ghost town is up for sale again at a reduced price. So it... Was did it get sold first time round, or are they just nope. floating it again at a lower floating price? It again, so we could own. We could our own ghost town in South Dakota. In South Dakota, absolutely, and we could get people to come in, come and in, deliver ghost investigations. Yep, all the fun of the fair. Yeah, it's got everything. 
Wow. It's got a house and a bar. Yes, but you've got to live in South Dakota. <laughs> oh, no. There goes our South Dakota Well, listener. a trip to South Dakota, I mean, it's a very long road. Of and, nothing. And it's of nothing. You're praying to see a billboard or you electric are. pole just to break up the And like every landscape. five miles, it says wall drug. Yes, and then you get to wall drug and... <laughs> you miss it. It's not great. <laughs> this is in Sweat, South Dakota. Sweat? Yeah. So we have to live in a place called Sweat. Yeah, it's S-W-E-T-T. I'm assuming that's how you say it. S-W-E-T-T. Okay, Sweat. Yes, Sweat. Okay, I've got you. The southwestern South Dakota ghost town of Sweat is once again for sale, and this time the asking price is a lot cheaper. Yay for us. Sweat is the home to about six acres of land, an empty house reputed to be haunted, and a closed bar. Hang on a second. Six acres of land isn't that much. That's it's a like, small town. That's like two and a half football pitches. Yeah, it's a little town. Okay. <laughs> it it's was... a small ghost town, but there's no town. It's just all ghost. All ghost, no town. Oh, it's got a bar and a house. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> it first went on the market in June 2014. You could be the mayor. In fact, you could be anything Hold you wanted. On. Uh, it was actually up for sale for $399,000. Uh, it generated interest around the world, but three written offers fell through for various reasons, probably because they found out it was only six acres. Real estate agent Stacy Montgomery told the Rapid City Journal that she's put the town southeast of Rapid City back on the market at a reduced price of 250000 See, it's cheap. The track Yes, was but you've got to up. live in South Dakota. Yes, I know. With three decaying mobile homes and an aging transport truck have actually been removed. So it's just a house and a bar. Um, Perhaps you wanted those three decaying <laughs> trailer houses. Maybe. Great. Montgomery said when Sweat went on the market last year, she got hundreds of emails and calls from prospects as far away as China, Russia, and Australia. She said she got several verbal offers in addition to written ones. Those who showed interest in buying the town included people who wanted to be the mayor. They are. Good idea, wasn't it? live off-grid. Live off-grid uh, in South pro- Dakota. And production companies considering reality shows, Montgomery. So if you don't want electricity and you want to defecate in a bucket, this is the place to go. Absolutely. And you can be mayor. Mayor. That's Of your own defecations. Yes. Uh, One pitch Montgomery said from a production company was from a Nebraska man who wanted to bring in 2,000 women from Russia and 600 men who were felons. Build houses and run cameras nonstop. Now, isn't that exciting? I'd actually quite like to see that. That would, I would be fabulous. Wa- I would watch that before keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> there will be letters. There will be letters. And it was Heather, by the way. Oh, God. At the end of that round, Greg is on one point for standing in the corner. I'm on five and in the lead. Heather's on three because she crowbarred in two stories. And Kim <laughs> is on a hefty two. It's been a great week for UFOs. We Yay. We crawl into the round. We crawl through the cornfield with a laser pen aiming up at the sky and our planisphere in one hand. And it's been a really good week for UFOs. We are, have UFO stories coming out of the wazoo, if wazoo. that's, wazoo, if that's uh, possible. I'm going to start proceedings by saying this is UFOs and cryptozoology. Yep. Green men, hairy beasties. I've got both. I have green men. <laughs> I don't want to know. And hairy beasties. I I'm going to get double the points is where we are. <laughs> a man says he saw a Bigfoot-like creature in Western Canada as it was beamed up. But what he described as a UFO. This 
gold dust. It's gold dust. So the, the anonymous... Sasquatch described what he was being beamed up with? There's a man in Western Canada who saw a Sasquatch being beamed up into UFO. I don't believe you. This is like being haunted by a mermaid. Somebody great, made that up. The anonymous 60-year-old man claimed he was hunting in an undisclosed wooded area of British Columbia. Was he drinking? When the Well, it's Canada. I should think he probably was. <laughs> when the incident... Just to take the edge off being Canadian. <laughs> I sat to wait for the game, he said. This is not like the Vikings. This is like game. He's hunting deer. He's in the woods, right? Just before dark, a Sasquatch entered the cut block went to the middle and stopped, he said. As he observed the creature, the Canadian said a large black shape suddenly showed up. It's all very casual, isn't it? I was just sat there doing a bit of hunting and a Sasquatch turned up and made munching its way... on some Doritos munching, and some beef jerky. Yeah, scratching its bottom, had a cigarette and was on its way to the bar and suddenly this big black UFO... It's like it happens every day. It's all very casual, isn't it? Before I could move or think, it shone a light on it and both disappeared. It explains adding that the event blew his mind and left him wondering whether the cryptid primate could actually be some kind of UFO scout or explorers. I think the Bigfoot <laughs> was nipping out to get a packet of cigarettes, was just casually walking through the woods. He would be as surprised as anyone, wouldn't he? He's looking around, suddenly he's in a UFO. The last thing he was expecting. The kids are saying, when's daddy coming home? Daddy's not coming home. Daddy's being probed. Daddy's in another galaxy. He's gone, mate. No presents for you this Christmas. He did not present photographic evidence nor further details regarding the physical really? characteristics of the purported biped. Never a, a camera. A paranormal. Well, he is on a hunting expedition. Mind you, you'd take a camera with you, wouldn't you? Yes. Whatever you shot. Or you'd a never... trail cam. Even Greg brings those. Not it's when you're true. hunting. Not when you're hunting. What are you thinking? That's what trail cams are for, aren't they? Before you hunt. Before you hunt. See? 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 What do you mean, see? You can't get it wrong and then say see. <laughs> a paranormal school of thought proposes the interdimensional hypothesis, which suggests that visitations could be part of entities travelling through different layers of reality or dimensions. That's a long <laughs> sentence. Some of these researchers believe in the possibility of extraterrestrial beings using these primates as a tool to explore planet Earth, teleporting them via light beams what? author and researcher Lapsaritis in his 2011 book presented 187 alleged cases of this phenomena he claims were obtained during 55 years of research sasquatch abductions yes after centuries of perfecting transgalactic space travel by using technologies and science we can't even begin to understand they would send down a clumsy bipedial lumbering monkey that is restricted to forest to do botanical research sounds legit next you're <laughs> gonna tell me they're italian too <laughs> no don't be silly <laughs> <laughs> He's got his mother's beard. Okay. <laughs> you are now. Why am I giving you points? It's my story. My plan has worked. She bamboozles me with random sentences and tales of Italians. And before I know where I am, I've mistakenly given her two points. It's all smoke and bloody mirrors. Right. Back to me. Seven points. What? Heather. What have yes. you got for me in the round of bipedial hairy Italians? I've got a wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
A green wormhole UFO spotted over Cape Town. Are the police looking into it? (laughs) A strange green light was photographed over South Africa by numerous witnesses during the weekend. The mysterious phenomenon, which resembled a glowing green circular feature in the night sky, looked like something out of a science fiction movie and was observed by hundreds of people. One possible explanation for the spectacle was that it was part of a light show equipment test at the Cape Town Stadium. However, officials have denied that any tests were being carried out at the time. It is probable some sort of marketing campaign. That's what they're thinking it was. But we do not know anything about it, said South African rugby union spokesman Marion well, Kruger. they got a rugby spokesman. A spokesman yes. for ghosts. They're from Canada. You know those spokesmen. If you're a rugby spokesman, <laughs> how's terrible. it going? If you had a photograph of a rugby team, spokesman, and they were all ghosts, you'd just see the ball halfway up and nothing else. Where the first ghost was holding the ball. I'd rather watch that than keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> ghost, ghost rugby. How could you tackle a ghost on a rugby field? It would be ridiculous. A field. <laughs> I'm getting my worms muddled up just thinking about it. Uh, anyway, they're saying... A rugby that, spokesman. Is that the best person they can find? Apparently. For UFO lights over Cape Town, the best thing they can find this. is a rugby spokesman, is it? That's right. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. I've got to give you points for that, have I? Yes, and oh, I should geez. get double points because you said spooksman. <laughs> okay, you were going to get... ghosts and UFOs. <laughs> See what you're doing. This is bullying in the workplace. I have a story that says moon-like orb floating over the skies of Hull. In 1801 is the first recorded sighting of a UFO on Earth. A blue orb seen floating across the city of Hull in 1801 is believed by UFO spotters to be the first sighting of its kind. The object was seen flying over the city and documented in newspaper reports from the time. It was midnight on June the 19th when witnesses saw an immense moon with a black bar across it loom over the Humber from the southwest. A historian has discovered the first recorded UFO sighting from 1801 which was seen flying over Hull, pictured another possible sighting. Hull historian and author Mike Cowell this week, 37, discovered the reference to the moon-like orb after trawling through archived newspapers from early 1800. Mr Cavell said this looked more like a death star. It bathed the entire city in blue light, which must have been terrifying. It is the oldest sighting we have managed to track down so far. Although there are other examples much earlier, Mr Cavell said that these were open to interpretation, whereas this sighting had evidence after its initial disappearance the ufo then reappeared looking like the face of the moon before splitting into five circular balls of light according to a report in the whole packet newspaper the northampton mercury report from the time described how the object seemed then to form itself into seven small distinct moons or globes of fire which disappeared for a few seconds Then the Messiah was born in a stable just outside of Hull. Many UFO spotters previously believed the first recorded example of a sighting was in 1947 when Kenneth Arnold saw unidentified objects flying over the Cascade Mountains in North America. At the time, Hull's first port had only been built in 1788 and the city was home to just 27,000 people. Although it is unclear why aliens would have visited the city, there were many sightings over the region 
in the following years. Mr. Cavell has built up an extensive collection of UFO clippings from the 19th century to the present day. It's very interesting as a historian that you find information like this. It's very casually written about. A couple of hundred years ago, they very casually write about UFOs. Do you remember I found an article in a Sleepy Eye newspaper in the middle of the Midwest here in Minnesota from 1897, the 17th of April, that said a UFO, a space vehicle, had gone over the town and there was an alien in board. They said it was a person, a pilot was piloting the UFO that wasn't from this planet, wasn't from this Earth. And it actually says in detail how it came apart, went into various globes. They used to be a lot more objective with making stories about reportings of ghosts and things as well. Yes. So it must have been a sign of the times, maybe. I think we threw the baby out with the bathwater when uh, modernity came along and the Industrial Revolution and we suddenly embraced science and then suddenly all the ghosts, the UFOs and angels and saints just got thrown out and we're starting to claw them back a little bit. What I do want to say is that this December is the anniversary of the Rendlesham Forest incident, which is our Roswell. That happened in 1980. Yeah, we've done lots of stories on that. That's right, we? and that was in late December, if my memory serves me right. So it's 35 years this month um, of the Rendlesham Forest incident there in Suffolk, I believe, that on the east side of England there. But I know for a fact, and you'll have to look this up, the second weekend of every month, the new Brighton Community Centre in Minneapolis is actually doing a MUFON meeting. The state of Minnesota MUFON takes place at the New Brighton Centre, second weekend of every month, and they're actually having a Rendlesham Forest anniversary. And it is the season of good cheer, of course, so uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. There we go. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? And if it happened this week, you shall get points. (laughs) (laughs) is this mars alien dome proof of an ancient civilization yeah there's been another strange sighting on the surface of mars and conspiracy theorists are convinced it shows evidence of aliens ufo hunters have spotted a bizarre dome structure in one of nasa's pictures being back from the opportunity rover they believe it is an artificial structure made by aliens at some point in mars past when water ran freely on the surface The existence of domes on Mars proves that someone or something built them in the past, wrote conspiracy website The Unsilent Majority. Is it possible that we are looking at some sort of building left behind by ancient inhabitants on Mars? What if we are looking at the ultimate evidence that proves the red planet was in fact inhabited in the distant past by beings that developed across the red planet just as humans developed across Earth? Many conspiracy theorists believe that NASA and other space agencies are aware of alien relics and are deliberately keeping them quiet. The dome is just the latest in a series of sightings on the surface of our rocky neighbor. I've seen the photograph of this. It looks like R2-D2's head. So imagine R2-D2 has been decapitated. You've just got that dome. It looks exactly like that. But, you know, it makes me wonder. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is coming out, of course, in a couple of weeks' time. And I just wonder if it's kind of, you know, a bit of an advertising ploy, perhaps. See where we're going. Do you know how many things they thought they've seen on Mars so far? I can list them. There's been a Buddha, a crab, some sort of spider. There was a bicycle, a pyramid. A robot arm. There was a robot arm. There was a hairy Italian, I believe. Um, (laughs) They're everywhere. Your (laughs) ex-girlfriend. There was, wow. There was uh, three points that Kim used to have that disappeared and had turned up now in a crater just outside of Mars. Many, many 
wondrous things. Nathan's yeah. hair. It's all been there. It's all, <laughs> it's all been found. <laughs> it's true. There's people just airbrushing anything and everything into this. It's remarkable. I have a story here that says, is this the moment a UFO was spotted in Texas? Father and son capture lights falling out of the sky. And this sounds exactly like the newspaper clipping from 1801. So nothing's changed, has it? There may be believers and sceptics alike, but there's no denying something peculiar was spotted falling out of the sky in Texas. The two-minute clip shows lights glimmering on and off, getting closer to the Earth. Captured by a father and son, the footage has been dubbed a UFO sighting on YouTube and has been viewed more than 2,000 times. What is that? I don't know. There's something falling out of the sky, Dad, the son says. Turn the lights off. We've got to go and see this, he continued. After their lights are switched off, the moving object appears brighter in the sky and more visible to the camera. Looks like fireworks, the bemused dad replies. I don't know what it is. The lights then form a pattern in the sky before suddenly disappearing entirely. YouTube channel Finding UFO, dedicated to videos of this kind, also posted the footage, calling it an interesting catch. One YouTuber wrote, flares, they're just military flares. But another commentator disagreed, saying, wouldn't there be more light from flares? They just look like white orbs to me. And you can decide for yourself if you visit and join our facebook group more questions and answers with adrian lee you can see the video of the texas lights falling out of the sky we now move into the round that is called the strange and the bizarre it's the stories from around the week that are too strange and too bizarre not to include in any other round but are too good not to read out live on air heather you need to claw back your points what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the very bizarre christmas is getting ruined christmas is getting ruined it's ruined what by walmart and commercialism no, by, and squirrels. by squirrels oh, Christ. <laughs> <sighs> why am i here <laughs> you walked into that <laughs> connecticut city blames squirrels for christmas tree snafu Oh, Christmas tree yeah. snafu. What's a snafu? Well, that's what the squirrels did. They did a snafu. Yeah. Haven't you ever seen one? I've never seen a snafu. <laughs> well, let me explain it to <laughs> you. Is it an elemental of some description? I think so. It's, it's kind of like a puck wedgie. A puck. I'll give you a wedgie. <laughs> that helps. Squirrels are out to ruin Christmas in one Connecticut city in Norwalk. Damn those fluffy rodents. I know. They would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for those pesky kids. It's old man Withers from the amusement <laughs> arcade. Officials in Norwalk are blaming the critters for chewing through their wires on several strands of lights on the Christmas tree outside City Hall. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> exactly. It's like from a Christmas Can you vacation. smell burning fur? <laughs> <laughs> Ken Hughes, Norwalk superintendent of parks, tells the hour... That when he tested the lights Monday in advance of Wednesday, Wednesday night's official tree lighting ceremony, only about a quarter lit up. That's when he noticed that the wire near the bottom of the tree had been chewed through. You would have found a dead a squirrel critter, wouldn't you? It's black and Not charcoal. voltage on that. Apparently. The fuse blew. It, it took someone in a bucket truck more than three hours to go up and down the tree to find and replace the other chewed <laughs> wires. I've got the result. For, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what they need to do. You get some mustard or some dish soap and you run it along the wire. I guarantee the squirrels won't go near it. Or what if they like mustard? 
What's the chances? How many times have you seen? How many time have you seen a squirrel <laughs> order a hot dog and say, "I'll have it with the works"? How many times? Let's not get into hot dogs with the works, shall we? <laughs> Why? Oh, your, yes, that was cracky. You're going back a couple of years. And your hot dog of doom. The hot dog of doom. Just you mentioning it makes my low intestinal tracts kind of twitch. You thought you'd be brave, didn't you? I had to you? reinsert my innards with a shoehorn. It was very embarrassing. I can't even remember we everything saw, that was on that thing. It was called the fully loaded. It was the Second Amendment. That's right. Because it was right. fully loaded. This is when the hot dog van puts every single thing they own. Everything. Everything. Everything, everything that's in front of that man. Every sauce. Every side dish. It takes four hands to carry it. Takes four, I had to put a kidney belt on just to pick it up. <laughs> I walked around to the other side and came back with an accent. It was. It had everything on it, and uh, I still regret eating that. Yes, it was I a dangerous. I still remember you taking your first bite and wanting to spit it out through an open window of a car. <laughs> no, what happened was that they put some seriously hot chilies on it. So I took my first bite on the sidewalk, felt the burning sensation. Turned around to spit it out just as a car went past with the window open. Some guy got hot chilli. This is the God's honest truth. We ran and he's behind some refuse trucks. It's shockingly bad. If you ever get a chance to have a hot dog called, do the, it, do called it. the Second Amendment, make sure you've got some wet towels and a shoehorn handy. Yes, so... Squirrels. That's are, it, is it? That's all you've got. I still maintain the fact I've never seen a squirrel with hot dog on, with the mustard on its hot dog. Post them on our Facebook wall, please. Don't dare do such a thing. I have a story that says mystery ghost fleet washes up in Japan. Eleven ships containing twenty dead sailors are discovered off the coast and nobody can explain why a fleet of 11 ghost ships containing the rotting remains of sailors has washed up on the japanese coastline sparking an investigation the mysterious ships have given rise to numerous conspiracy theories in the country as authorities battled to discover the identities of the bodies rescuers told japanese broadcaster nhk that the bodies of at least 20 sailors were badly decomposed and skeleton-like Probably had the Second Amendment, I would suggest. Four of the ships washed up in early November, and seven more have been spotted in recent weeks, drifting in the Sea of Japan. The most recent, discovered on Tuesday, was found off the coast of Fukai, some 250 miles north of Tokyo. It has been impossible to identify the bodies, and authorities have no idea where they may have come from. The only clues as to where the boats may have come from are scraps of material that appear to have come from the North Korean flag and writing on one of the boats that seems to read Korean's People Army. Some believe that the vessels are fishing boats from North Korea as the nation is trying to expand its fishing industry to boost harvests. But the lack of modern equipment, including GPS locating equipment, on board the ships means that several have gone missing. Others believe the sailors may have been North Koreans trying to flee the oppressive rule of leader Kim Jong. Coast guards told broadcaster NHK that the crews may have been drifting for months on end without anyone knowing where they are. 
The primitive design of the vessel suggests that they were not created in the West. It is believed that the boats have come to light now, following recent storms which may have swept them towards the coastline. This reminds me of how Dracula entered Britain at Whitby Bay in Yorkshire. He arrived, didn't he, dead in a ghost boat? You don't recall? Bram Stoker? So now we have Korean vampires? Apparently, yes. Yes, just don't let them near your cats and dogs is all I'm saying. Oh, if North Korea, our listeners from well, Korea. We don't have any listeners in Korea. If North <laughs> Korea wanted to start a deadly virus or an epidemic disease, wouldn't this be the best way of doing it? Wouldn't you contaminate rotting bodies, push the boat out? You could contaminate I the entire I saw those country. boats. They look like they were from the 1800s. Yes, they were junks, pretty much where they were. Yeah, they were very old. I, my theory is that the Bermuda Triangle opened up and just spit them out. What, in Korea? Yeah. What was she doing? Geography is a foreign language. <laughs> you get minus three for being geographically redundant. Kim, what planet are you on? The Bermuda Triangle in Korea. It's all fun and games now until you find out I'm right. <laughs> well, when that day comes, I'll give you your three points back. How's that? Can't say fairer, can I? Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the Korean Triangle of Italians? I've got a man who stole brains from a medical museum and put them on eBay. <laughs> brains from a medical museum? Yes. One of them wasn't called Abby Normal, was it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> a 23-year-old Indiana man has pleaded guilty to breaking into a medical museum and stealing preserved human brains that he then sold online. David Charles of Indianapolis pleaded guilty to six charges, including receiving stolen property and burglary in a Marion County court. Magistrate Amy Barber sentenced him to one year of home detention and two years of probation, County Prosecutor Spokesman Anthony Deer said. Charles, on multiple occasions, broke into the Indiana Medical History Museum to steal jars of brains and other human tissue. The museum is a former hospital for the insane founded in 1848 and later converted into a museum with an autopsy room and an, an, I can't say it, anatomical Anatomical. (laughs) museum that displays preserved specimens, mostly brains, organized by pathology. Did he have a limp by any chance and like a hunch on his back? Yeah, Yeah, that's where we're going with this, isn't it? Well, who's yeah. he collecting them for? Where are they going to go? I know a couple of people that could use some brains. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Quit looking at me. I'm just wondering who that is. <laughs> who are these people? I'll give you a list later. Okay, we'll see where we are. Kim, you're getting fabulous points delivered to you for the abnormal brain story. So, I didn't think you could sell stuff like that on eBay. You can't. It's like body parts, isn't it, ultimately? You can't. Not even shrunken heads. I have been into a brain room. My mother was a biochemist for many years in a hospital in East London, Old Church Hospital, which is now the Queen Elizabeth II Hospital. And, of course, all the pathology labs are together. So you have endocrine, histology, biochemistry, all of those kind of things. I was allowed to go in there and have a look around because it's my mother's workplace. They have a room full of brains. There's buckets with brains in them and the name of the person is written on the bucket obviously they're going to dissect them and do research and find out various bits and pieces to do with cells and the like but there is a brain room i have been in a brain room i have seen such things don't some people eat like pig brains or cow brains is that called tripe or something no tripe's the lining of your stomach but it is common to eat brains um especially head cheese that's what it's called head cheese what where are we this isn't the round of not for your mother 
it's oh, um, yeah, in it's Lebanese brain. in in Persian culture. You can go and get lamb's brains. That is possible. You can oh, eat lamb's brains. God. It is suggested in some cultures that if you eat a human's brains, you then take on board their intelligence. You actually inherit their intelligence. Cannibalism is partly down to the fact that you're inheriting through eating them, especially their brains, their intelligence, and taking on board their intelligence and their knowledge. It's true, I tell you. It's all there. So you have a story for me tonight. I do. In the round of The Strange and the Bizarre. I do. Does it have a willy in it? No, it's a strange and bizarre. It doesn't okay. have a willy till later. No willy till later. Okay, you heard it here first. Till williger. <laughs> <laughs> Police officers in Sydney, Australia, were called to a scene of a possible domestic violence incident. The bizarre case started when concerned neighbors reported hearing a woman's screams coming from a nearby house along with a man yelling, I'm going to kill you, you're dead, die, die. When officers arrived, you're really and getting knocked, into this, aren't I know, you? right? When officers arrived and knocked on the door, however, they were greeted with a flush-faced man who seemed to be out of breath and was very confused about why they were there. I don't know what you're talking about. I live alone, he said. When the policeman pushed for him to explain what all the commotion was about, however, he eventually came clean about the entire incident. He was it, abusing. It was a spider. A spider. He, he confessed. It was a spider. Uh, and what did he shout really out? A really big one. A really big one. What? He put a saddle on it. Had a switchblade and tattoos. The police said, what about the woman screaming? The officer asked him. That was little Miss Muffet. He said, yeah, sorry, that was me. I was really, really scared and I hate spiders. So he screamed like a girl. <laughs> what did he say again? Remind me what he said. I'm going to kill you. You're dead. Die. Die. Yes. Wow, you nearly knocked your coffee off the table. I know. You know I know. Die. Ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> so he hated a spider. It was he Sydney. suddenly turned German Sydney halfway Aust- through that, did he? <laughs> Sydney, Australia, though. The spiders are pretty big down there. Yes, but it's the small ones that kill you. It's true. It's all very well sure? having... Yes, the big ones aren't that venomous. It's the small little fiddly so ones. So if I gave you a big tarantula, you'd be fine with that. I wouldn't marry it, if that's what you're suggesting. <laughs> but it's those little funnel webs and the little black widows. It's the little ones that are dangerous. It's yeah, the big ones that are kind ones. of, you know, fairly benign, to be honest. You can't even walk by the spider I'm not saying I'm going to make love ball. to it. I just, I'm not saying I like them. I'm telling you the small ones are the dangerous ones. Is you would where have we been are. screaming like a girl. That's why I, t- I said this story. This is you. It's got are you, you trying to gain points it. or lose points? What are you thinking? It doesn't you'd... matter. I always lose anyway. <laughs> go big or go home. That's what Yes, I you're said. going home on minus four. I have a story that says this is the weirdest soccer tackle ever. Colombian cup match witnesses bizarre two-footed lunge on nobody. We've seen some pretty terrible tackles in our time, believe us. There have been swinging hacks, outright leg chops, studs-up stingers, and of course the old-fashioned two-footer. Sometimes they happen as a result of poor technique. Sometimes they're down to deliberate nastiness. We'd never condone them, but we do at least understand how they come about. That's more than we can say for this weird tackle, however. In a recent Colombian Cup match between Once Caldas and Deportes to Lima, one player was putting in a leaping two-footed lunge, the likes of which we've never seen before. Mainly because there was no opponent on the end of it. The guy attempted to tackle thin air, emptiness, nothingness. It was as if he'd completely lost all depth perception before the match, but decided to play on in his role as team <laughs> hard man anyway. We have several theories about how this tackle came about, though none of them seem too likely. 
The first is that once Caldis players are controlled via a giant PlayStation controller and somebody pressed the square button by accident. The second is that the pitch was haunted and this is a player trying to tackle the ghostly phenomenon of an opponent, just like Ghost Rugby in many respects in South Africa. The third is that he mistimed a block in the most enthusiastic way possible. It's probably the third option. This is very odd. If you go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian, Lee, you will see the video footage of a Colombian footballer tackling thin air. There's mm. nothing there, and he just jumps in with a lunging tackle. Nothing. Zilch. Zero. Naught. It reminds me, I don't know if you're aware of this because obviously it's British culture from the 1950s. There's a very famous horse race in Britain. It's held every year. It's called the Grand National. You must have heard of that. Are you aware of that? Yes. In 1956, there was a horse and it was called Devon Lock, and it was coming up. It was 400 yards from the finishing post. It was winning the race. It was out in the lead, no one near it, and it jumped over a fence that wasn't there, landed on its stomach, and all the other horses went past it. It's very strange. The horse, just yards from the line, jumped an imaginary fence that wasn't there and kind of fell over. It reminds me of that. It just strikes the same kind of, same kind of thing. That's all I'm saying. There are more questions than answers. We enter into our final round that is called Not For Your Mother. We have shown the intellect to find our archive. So well done and a happy dance all around the bedroom. You get a cookie. You get a cookie. (laughs) Heather is supplying those, by the way. I have a story here. This is a round that your mother needs to be removed from the room. Those that are easily offended, minors, children, all need to be dwarves. Are dwarves easily offended? They're minors. They're minors. Oh, I see. It's a joke about sleeping. No. Sleeping beauty. beauty. Hang on. I'm getting my fairy tales muddled up. They'll merge into one after a while, don't they? I have a story that says, is Boston's gay bar Jax haunted by a mean drag queen named Sylvia Sidney? So apparently Boston has a haunted gay bar. Jacques Cabaret in Bay Village. It was opened as a standard bar, but two years later in the 1940s, Jacques became a gay bar. How does it become a gay bar? How does it evolve? Do just gay people hang out there so ultimately it suddenly becomes that? Or did the manager make a conscious decision? Maybe they felt comfortable there, so they all flocked. There you go. I didn't realise a collective noun for a group of gay people was a flock. In the 60s, it's a frock. (laughs) In the 60s and early 70s, it was a lesbian hangout. Have you seen many lesbians hangout? But at some point, it started featuring drag shows as it does today. In Sam Bertrucci's 2012 book, Ghosts of Boston, comic Jim Loletta claims that he encountered something unusual while performing at the club in 2010. One night, going down the basement stairs, he felt strange energy and thought he saw someone out of the corner of his eye. It was Greg in the corner, changing his religion. After Luetta (laughs) said the energy felt like it was a bit of an attitude, Jacques' manager suggested it might be the ghost of Sylvia Sidney, the bar's most famous performer, a drag pioneer known as the Bitch of Boston. Sidney eschewed the gentle femininity most early drag performers cultivated and instead indulged in crude humour. Sidney died in 1998 at the age of 68, so perhaps her ghost still wants another moment in the spotlight. If you're feeling brave, 
but don't want to summon Sydney's ghost, you can watch one of her performances on YouTube. But be warned, they're full of toilet humour, sex jokes, racial slurs and nose-picking. Hang on, that's our show right there. (laughs) Oh, and a really dirty story about Nat King Cole. There we go. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Well... Hell, it appears, hath no fury like a stripper scorned. A stripper scorned. Mm-hmm. Yes, you don't upset a stripper. No, I couldn't bring this to you from The weevil Florida. come off is the first thing. It's Florida. No, it's oh. a man from Florida. So hey! does that count? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Florida man visiting a Myrtle Beach, South Carolina jingle Jingle joint, jiggle joint. A jingle joint? Is that for Christmas? <laughs> yes. Do we is. get a Christmas discount for a yeah. jingle joint? <laughs> you want to see my bells? I want to jingle all the way. (laughs) Oh, what fun it is to ride. Oh, God. (laughs) Told police that an exotic dancer attacked him after he said she should go to the gym and lose weight, according to the local news reports. The man, Kyle Yeomans... Some people like him bigger. 23 told officers last Monday that the Derriere's Gentleman Club performer... The Derriere's. (laughs) It's called the Derriere's Gentleman Club. That's right. Beat him in the face four times this wasn't the graveyard slot on a thursday morning was it it? sunday sunday (laughs) Sunday afternoon slot don't don't go to a strip joint on a sunday afternoon according to a statement he made to police yemen's said the stripper was annoying him and that she kept trying to talk to him and he was tired of it after making his comment the dancer then reached off the stage and struck yemen's four times in the face during the early sunday incident with what Uh, Probably her breasticles. Uh, Before bouncers ejected him from the club, he claimed. There we go. Uh, The man told police he was drunk and rated his intoxication level as an 11 out of 10. Obviously, you can't count. When asked asked if he could identify the woman who allegedly. He can't get up to 11. He's only got 10 fingers. (laughs) He said she was a white female around 115 to 120 pounds. How much weight does she need to lose then? black hair and a muffin top (laughs) (laughs) she bakes as well wow Uh, this is every man's dream where can i find a stripper that bakes this is like the perfect combo (laughs) and can punch you in the face with her Breasticles. No, breasticles. Uh, in their report, which was obtained by the police, they said they saw a wound consistent of being hit. I think he Yemen's- was lured into this and it was a booby trap. <laughs> uh, he- I love this show. Yemen said the injury was made worse by a ring the dancer was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, like a bull ring. Like I imagine a, a great a, big bull ring. A breasticle ring. A breasticle ring. He <laughs> nearly had his eye out. Uh, Good thing she didn't have propellers on. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. However, Yemen's told police he did not want to pursue charges against the dancer, saying that he wanted nothing done other than a report. The document noted police attempted to conduct a follow-up at the Derriere's, but it was closed. A follow-up up up the Derriere's. (laughs) Terrible. They tried the rear entrance. (laughs) Police are looking into it. Yeah, I hear Kim, what have you got for me tonight in a round of Not For Your Mother? Well, evidently we have a theme going. Strippers, rings. A Helena man charged with assaulting his wife with elk antlers. Elk. So we're talking another assault case here. He was horny. Elk antlers. (laughs) What they didn't say was the elk was attached to them at the time. (laughs) 
Levi Brandon Richardson of Helena has been charged after allegedly using elk antlers in an attempt to stab his wife. Richardson, 37 years old, reportedly tried to stab her after she refused to drive him to the teaser's strip club. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't dairy areas, was it? I thought, yeah, this, what is wrong with wives these days? What's perfectly reasonable to me, isn't it? You're, we're supposed to chauffeur you around? What? <laughs> yeah. No, they're supposed to drive us to work. Would you take me and Greg to Zippers in, Mount, you know, in Spirit Lake? Oh, I'd go I mean, with you. Yeah, there you go. There? There's uh, a date. Richardson appeared in court on Tuesday on charges of assault with a weapon, aggravated assault, and partner family member assault. Court documents state that when his wife refused to drive him, they began arguing, and Richardson tried to assault her with the antlers. Because he just had them at hand. Did he prize them off a wall or something? I'm assuming so. Wow. Uh, the documents say that Richardson then had a friend drive him to the strip club. All right, so we'll, it ends uh, well then, this is story. Is that a friend in yes. quotation marks? Who knows? Uh, state prison records, though, show that Richardson is currently on parole. There. Wow. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? You have one more story for me tonight in the round yes. of Not For Your Mother. I have an end finally for me. Oh well, I've got a story. Before. I've got a story to come after that. Should I read my story next? You think uh, you can do whatever you wish? Yes, you're right. Well done. We got there. It's taken three years. All right. Grieving Taiwanese man marries late girlfriend's ashes in emotional ghost wedding. We discussed oh, ghost we weddings. Did you a man did from it. Taiwan was so distraught over the death of his late girlfriend that he recently married her ashes after she had been cremated, as well as having a wedding in a Shinsu village. He also had a farewell ceremony in front of dozens of the couple's friends and family. The man from Taichung, known by the name of Mr. Lei, is understood to have wanted to show his commitment to his late girlfriend, whose name is not known, by marrying her even after she died. Did she have money? Well, she'd never look better, apparently, in the wedding photographs. It is not unheard of in Asia to have a ghost marriage, where a dying or dead man will be arranged to marry a female corpse to keep him happy in afterlife. However, marrying an urn with a wedding dress attached to it might be taking it to the next level. Did they really do that? Yep. A video documenting the ceremony has appeared online and is widely reported. In the 60-second video, Mr. Lay is wearing a white suit and dark sunglasses under the white silk altar. He is tightly holding onto the black and gold urn, which is filled with incense and has a white wedding dress attached to the lower half of it. He wears white gloves as a wedding band is placed on his finger whilst relatives look on. It's hard to understand what is being said during the ceremony as music was placed over the video when it was put online. Points available now for shouting out music that's relevant to this moment. Come on, baby, light my fire. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Ashes to ashes. Burn, baby, burn. Disco inferno. No. Just me then. No one else wants to chip in. Burning down the house? Burning down the house. (laughs) You get one. Anyone else want to chip in? I'm four one up. Ring of fire. (laughs) Johnny Cash. Four one one. Good times. The person marrying Mr. Lay and his girlfriend's ashes places a light piece of red cloth over the urn. Then the camera cuts to the grieving friends and family outside. Everyone is wearing white. So is this like a funeral wedding combo? Yes, it's so cheaper. It's a two for you one? buy one, get one free. <laughs> Whilst the pastor's there, do you see what I'm saying? You've only got to do one lot of uh, industrial catering. This is where we are. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. After the ceremony, they walk through the streets with the incense burning away and get into a wedding car before driving off. 
The death of Mr. Lay's girlfriend has not been reported and it remains a mystery as to how she passed away. Ghost marriages are an ancient custom in China, but they are now illegal and carry jail sentences of up to three years for anyone who steals a dead female body. The families who buy the dead female bodies do so in order to satisfy tradition by carrying out a marriage service with a living or dead man. Ghost marriages are sometimes carried out to fulfil the requirement that a dead man should not pass into the afterlife without a wife. So an eternal life of nagging and not being allowed to leave the toilet seat up awaits for lucky grooms all over the Middle East and China. Let's just hope that he lets the ashes cool down before he consummates the marriage. <laughs> she just lays there. Oh, She's not putting. You're not putting any effort in, are you? I've got to do all the work. I hope he doesn't sneeze. Oh man, there are many a joke to be had. My mum said, "If I had nothing nice to say, you are finishing the show tonight with the final, final story." It's got a willy in it, isn't it? G-string. G-string. Wearing homeless ex-lawyer high on crystal meth. And crack cocaine mistakes a woman and kids for a giant panda. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go through that again. Homeless lawyer. G-string wearing. G-string wearing. Homeless. Homeless. Ex-lawyer. Ex-lawyer. High on crystal meth. And cocaine. And crack cocaine mistakes a woman and her kids for a giant panda. What does she try and do? Is it a he or she? Are you an ex-lawyer now? Nathan? I I see him arrive with a load of bamboo. (laughs) A homeless ex-lawyer who entered a woman's flat high on crystal meth and crack cocaine while wearing a G-string and fishnet tights. Yeah, that is you, Nathan. Said he thought she was a giant panda. Wow. Desmond Moran, 53, could not remember why he was wearing women's underwear when he got into the flat of Baywater in July this year. Oh, so current story. Then. Current stories. The woman who cannot be named told the Southwark Crown Court. Known as Mrs. Panda. She was asleep with her kids when he appeared at the doorway and walked across the room to look out of the window. Jurors in the court suppressed giggles as they were shown Mr. Moran's stockings and G-string. Exhibit A <laughs> and Exhibit B. A, a, a and A and a half. <laughs> the woman told the court, I woke up and I saw him there. He was just looking at us. With bamboo in his hand. I, I felt like he was looking at me even though the two kids were there. I said, who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing in my apartment? That's when I started getting quite anxious and I started screaming at him and the children woke up. When I first saw him, I couldn't see much. I thought he had an apron on. Oh, that's gross. He wasn't wearing trousers or a jacket. It was like a costume. (laughs) And when he went to the window and turned around, I could see his bottom. I think he had a G-string on. Oh, no. He left and was later found in the basement of a block of flats with a laptop and various drug-administering implements. What if he'd have gone to the zoo? Would he have thought that in the enclosure there was a wife and two kids asleep? I don't know. It gets better. What country is this in? (laughs) Sydney. Uh, No, no, no. I can't remember now. You've thrown your story away. I threw it on the floor. Mr. Moran said he went into the flats to find a bed. He added, I honestly didn't see a woman on the bed. I didn't see any children in the bed. I honestly thought it was a big panda bear in the bed. That's what it looked like to me. 
I had taken some drugs, but I'm pretty certain that's what I saw. I didn't see any woman. I didn't see any kids. Unconvinced there was no panda, he queried, (laughs) were they under the panda? (laughs) (laughs) The ex-lawyer did not know why he was wearing women's clothes either. He said, I could make surmises, but I don't know. I think it was a reaction to the cocktail of drugs, and I'm not trying to run away or hide from anything. How does a homeless person... I hold my hands up. How does a homeless person... He did a good case. He he got some drugs. I don't know. How do you access a thong and fishnet tights? Oh, I thought you were going to say drugs. No, it's easy enough. You probably found that in last night's garbage. Yes, it's easy enough to find drugs if you're homeless. Slightly more difficult (laughs) to find find fishnet stockings if you're a man and a thong. Was he wearing heels? doesn't say doesn't i don't say. understand i've never done details the jury it. actually cleared him after an hour's deliberation of trespassing with intent to commit a sexual offense but yes so he mistook a woman and her kids as a panda while Easy wearing come. a g-string fantastic and that brings tonight's proceedings <laughs> to a glorious <laughs> conclusion wow Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, the K2 meter with a dead battery belongs to Greg on two points, who just sat quietly in the corner. And in resplendent first place, the $33,000 IR camera belongs to me. I've Mm -hmm. scored a magnificent seven. Kim has come in in sixth place. Sixth place. Sixth place. place. Good wow. job, Wow, fantastic. She's coming sixth. There's four of us. There's four of us. And Kim has come in sixth. It's the taking part that counts, right? Kim is on six points and has come in second. Heather is on plus four and is third. Do not fear, listener. Real will be back with a whole new bunch of cheating next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of number dyslexia, the paranormal, the strange, the intriguing, the invisible rugby and hairy Italians. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips remember we're on youtube if you type in more questions and answers with adrian lee on youtube you will find a lot of our funny outtakes and finally you can find our archives on soundcloud.com if you search for mqta radio we are now going to do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show after we've left the top of the hour called not for your mother around that can't be read out live on air and you can join us on there my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris Shaton drainer kim and greg gore nathan bush and all at the international paranormal society at int paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting now you can listen to the dramatic music good night